Hello and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins and Flat Earth Ship Bear is here first. <laughs> That's so great. So great. Yeah, I keep meaning to get to BC to check out people's uh, flat earth, uh, or, pardon me, earth ships is not the flat, the flat earth. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I have a great pleasure of being here with Tasha Fishman today and we're going to uh, introduce her properly. I'm going to go ahead and start the um, Rockfin live stream so that people can go on that supposedly uncensored platform. It was until recently. Same with oh. Telegram. I heard that now people are starting to get censored on Telegram. So that's kind of wild. Mm -hmm. I have noticed some changes in that zone. And yeah, so I've heard just... that for a while about Telegram. So it's um, disheartening a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard it, but uh, but now actually, you know, you're seeing it more and more. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it myself. None of my stuff has been taken down. I have noticed anomalies across the board where certain things work here and don't work there, and it's not about your settings and all of that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. lots of uh, endless weirdness. I was hoping it would go away with the Mercury and Gatorade, but uh, it <laughs> keeps going for some reason. <laughs> no. So uh, it's such a pleasure to have you here, Tash. I've, I've uh, really enjoyed getting to know you and looking at your work. And mm -hmm. uh, I want to shout out to Julian, who introduced me to your work and your podcasts and everything that you're up to. And he drew a parallel between us, said that uh, I'll, just, I'll just shout us out on his behalf that he, I, we were his two favorite women in the zone. So he was oh, very was excited. Great. Yeah, he was very excited for today. Yeah, it was great. A great connection. <clears throat> nice, nice. And uh, so you're in the right place if you like King Heroes, if you like people that are stepping out of their comfort zone, doing things that are probably creating a schedule, uh, you know, unmanageable. I know even taking the time to do this, it was an effort for you. So that's really great. You know, King Heroes to me are an archetype. If you're new to this channel, by the way, there's been a lot of new people coming on in this last little while. We are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, we are on Rockfin Live now. And this is a space for those who are, again, willing to get out of their comfort zone, do the hard things, say the hard things, take attacks that come their way potentially. And to serve on not behalf of just their own being, their own family, their own children, but really the greater good of all, which is a very highly abused and weaponized concept of the collective right now against us. So it's pretty tricky. If you're, if you're not familiar with me, I am an archetype purpose and business coach. I'm in the process of building a private membership association to take all of my work into the private domain. We've been studying law for the last couple of years. And to me, this is the thing that uh, deserves most of my time and energy. So there'll be a lot more to come about that. And uh, hello, T-Post. Nice to see you in the chat there. Eric Dulon is here. Excellent. Do say hi. If you're in the chat, let us know where you're at. And without further ado, oh, there's Billing Tunnel Bear. Wouldn't be the same without you. Dime Bear is here and Carrie is here. So we are going to, I'm going to take a minute now to introduce Tasha and uh, let you know about her extensive work. You got a lot on the go. And uh, her background is in behavioral psychology. She spent decades working and volunteering in the not-for-profit sector of Calgary. You're, you're in Calgary right now, correct? I'm in Invermere now. I'm uh, Invermere. I'm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Same but province. I still have business in Calgary, so I go back and forth a bit. Okay, there you go. 
Uh, she's worked in various areas such as children's services, which is going to be a big topic of our of our discussion today on unschooling, which I'm a huge fan of, though I'm uh, not doing it. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would like to be doing it. Um, uh, also mental health, private education, advocacy and the arts. She's experienced roles as an outwork, outreach worker, campaign director, board chair, uh, which is cur the current uh, chair that you are directing or the current board that you're directing as chair is Take Back Our Freedoms, which the stream was named for today. Well, I, I'm not chair. That's Brian Packard. Oh. And okay, okay. <laughs> oh. co-chair, but I, I am a board of directors. I'm one of the directors. Yeah. Board of directors, not yeah. board director. Got it. Right. Yeah, there's like one little word and it changes yeah. everything there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, good to know. Uh, she's networked to help raise hundreds of thousands of dollars locally, including larger projects such as the Canmore Holidays for Hope and Calgary Flames Arena, which he spearheaded their capital campaign uh, of $18 million. Well, more importantly, she's a mother of three beautiful boys. She homeschools while helping her husband with their 77-year-old local family business, which is very cool. I came from a family business background, too, so we can talk about that a little bit. It's a, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the past two years, she's been extremely vocal in public with her views on the abuse of the overreaching government and the attack on our civil liberties. She's relentlessly pursuing her uh, uncovering the truth, regaining freedoms by ensuring that those who have contributed to the destruction of our communities are held to account. And this is right up my alley, right up the King Hero Alley. Mm -hmm. The price paid for her advocacy and organizing with various freedom movements has been heavy, but she's committed to her resolve, which is to ensure that this never happens happens again for our, uh, for us or our future generations. Mm -hmm. Welcome, yeah. Tasha. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, so great to have you here. And I would like to, in this late, there's anything more you'd like to share about yourself. I'd just like to ask you a question about, you know, when did you wake up to all of this stuff? Was it pre-pandemic? Was it because of the pandemic? When did you start seeing that things weren't all right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, you know, when the more I talk to people and listen to their stories, it seems that, you know, there's various levels of awakening. And I was certainly awake to a few things prior to the pandemic. But I would say in May of 2020 is when I had like a full blown spiritual awakening, so to speak. And I understood exactly why I was on this planet. And I understood what it was about. And it was mm -hmm. just, you know, so but prior to that, um, that bio that you were reading is kind of my life you know, in my 20s, I was got out of school, I was working as an outreach worker, and I worked primarily with families who had children with disabilities. So for probably about a decade, I had met many families who had vaccine injured children. Mm. And, you know, I didn't think too much about it, they were pretty much gaslit, even I didn't even know that word at the time, but by the medical industries. Um, and even some family members. I remember hearing the stories, though, and them really believing that their child was different before they went to the vaccine to take the vaccine. So when I got pregnant in my 30s, I did started doing some research. I just remembered that I didn't really think too much of it. But I started to read Vaccination Nation, started to read about all of the things. So I had gone down that rabbit hole long before the pandemic, um, probably about a decade. And I, I chose to do get involved in homeopathic nosodes and figure that out and, and treat my children, take responsibility for their health in a different way. And um, I remember the first time that I was 
yelled at by a doctor in an eMERGE when my son had a broken arm when I said that they weren't vaccinated and how the nurses treated me over the years when very few times we had to go in. But, you know, I have boys and things happen and stitches here, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't aware that they could not see um, that they weren't vaccinated. So I really should have just lied, but I didn't, you know. And so it was always uh, so much anxiety when your child is hurt and depending on somebody to fix them or help them. And, um, and there's this anger and rage that you've made this different choice. But with all the information that I had researched, there was no other choice for, for me at that time. And now it seems like the whole world or a big portion of the world is now waking up to what's kind of always been there. Um, you know, there's 100,000 children a year that were in, a, in the states alone that are vaccine injured every year. This has been going on for a very long time, not at the uh, rate as it is today. Now it's like, you know, there's a huge flashlight on this dark corner of our system. So I was awake to that. And, you know, I just, I was never vocal about it. Just kind of, you know, hit under the radar. I knew the law. I knew that in Canada, um, I wasn't required to vaccinate and it was a parental choice where a lot of people are actually confused and think that it's, it's illegal and that you have to. So, you know, I had to deal with daycares and I had to, I was just very firm in my, my answer, polite, but firm. And uh, no one really bothered me. There's a couple dinner parties I went to that I would sneak out the back because, you know, they'd be talking about, you know, the measles coming and all these unvaccinated parents. So I knew there was this vitriol and this hate for um, someone like myself who made the decision I did. But in May of 2020, I won't, uh, you know, uh, the first three to four weeks, I actually thought that, you know, I was scared. I didn't know what, you know, this virus was and you're seeing all this stuff on TV. And so, you know, I took precautions and I actually got involved when they had no PPE. Well, so they said in um, an organization called Mask Makers YYC, and I used our family business as drop-off locations and our delivery system to get fabric out to people who were volunteering to sew masks and make them for the doctors and the nurses. So I was like on the mainstream media for doing this. And, you know, but after about the third week and somebody started sending me some information, my sister-in-law, I just started to feel like something wasn't right here. So I, you know, and then I really felt like something wasn't right here after a month. And I started pulling out, backing out of this organization that I had been involved with. But I love the story because I always say to people, it shows how unconspiratorial I was by nature. I just, you know, Mm. I'm not, you know, I'm just a caring person that wanted to help the community and get back. You know, we had to lay off 50, 60 employees in 24 hours. And I've got the three kids at home on different devices doing all their things, plus on a headset dealing with our customers. It was hell. So I wanted to do anything we could to get things back to, Mm. um, you know, normal. (laughs) <laughs> didn't realize that was never going to happen. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so um, the real epiphany for me was uh, when the Calgary Flames CEO had canceled uh, the tickets and canceled the season. And I remember him saying on a live email, you know, we can all celebrate even more when we get back together, when, when they find a vaccine. And it was just like, bang, it was like, they're going to vaccinate the planet. That's what this is going to be about. And so, um, yeah, that, that was it. That sent me down, you know, every rabbit hole imaginable and way more than I was anticipating. And so it was a very um, long summer for me of 2020, dark nights of the soul, you know, feeling extremely alone, Luckily, within a few months, I found a very small community 
of other women who are feeling the same way. So thank goodness for that, because, you know, I mean, it's quite different two years later. Like there's a lot of us now, it feels like anyway. Mm -hmm. But at the time, at that time, I remember the first post that I put on Facebook and it was when, I don't know if anyone saw this because it's been completely scrubbed, but it was a woman in the parliament in Italy calling out uh, Monsanto, Bill Gates for crimes against humanity, saying this isn't what this is. And I mean, she was getting heckled and booed. And that was the first post that was taken off. And I was like, what is this? You know, now we're just dealing with censorship like it's the norm. But at that time, I was like, Facebook is deleting my posts. And um, oh, I would just get attacked. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when you talk about that, the, the King Hero's journey, it's funny. It's walking through that fire right of attack and having to let go of outside approval it's like an initiation but boy did i get it i mean i was attacked left right and center lost customers friends acquaintances business you know people writing that i'm a conspiracy theorist not to support our business i mean it just goes on and on like everybody else has experienced i'm sure that's watching this and um yeah and you know you come out the other side if you can get to the other side, and I just feel like I'm surrounded by lions. I feel so blessed. I don't feel nobody would say anything now on my, you know, it took a while, right? But um, that is the great divide, fortunately or unfortunately. You do find your tribe. You really do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's good you had some training in advance, right? So you pioneered a little bit with the not uh, jabbing your children. I also did that. And I was a little bit on the on the later side. Lots of you had gone before me. So by the time I'm in front of my pediatrician, she just rolls her eyes. She doesn't like, you know, yell at me or try to scare mm -hmm. me or all, all that kind of thing. She was actually relatively easy to handle. I took my son to the pediatrician for, I, know, I, I think, two well baby visits. And, and it was over. I realized like, what am I doing? This is stupid. I know differently. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor. I think I, I told you that. So mm -hmm. I learned to really take my health into my own hands. And why would that be any different with my children, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. in this case. So yeah, that's, that's great that you had that. And, uh, you know, very similar experience for me in terms of, I had a lot of people in my zone, I was already waking up, but, but uh, still had the first of all, I wasn't really speaking out. You know, even what I knew for a couple of or three years, I, I wasn't saying I was lurking, you know, doing research, talking to the one or two people that were more awake in my world. But as soon as the pandemic hit, it was over. It was like, this is not going to, I, I have to speak. And uh, yeah, so it is a trial by fire. Initiation is a beautiful way to say that. Mm -hmm. And it brings it into that much more sacred context because, you know, uh, what's it been like for you to get to the other side and see that all of those attacks didn't actually kill you, didn't kill your business, didn't isolate you like it might have threatened? Yeah, um, well, the biggest, the most powerful thing to me was um, the freedom, the trucking freedom convoy. That was when, you know, I just, you know, I even tear up thinking about it because it it was, it wasn't just about the truckers, it was about finding out that there was millions of us across this nation that had I been know. isolated and had felt, felt the same way and were compelled enough to break from the shackles of their own homes and come out to support this cause that's our inalienable right in our soul and our spirit, right? Freedom. We all want freedom, including our kids. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's the most important desire of all. Mm -hmm. If you don't want freedom and you want everything else, then uh, 
you know, things are not going to unfold in that hero's journey kind of way. And you said the name of the podcast, right? Not many people get it wrong. Just want to congratulate oh. you on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so since you're talking about the truckers convoy, what inspired you to, I read that uh, you, you went there for five solid weeks. And even in one of your blogs, you were saying, you know, what inspired me to leave my children? How was that an example for your children of what you did there? Well, you know, my, my little ones are now like, um, nine and 11. So, you know, they weren't happy that I was gone, but they were with their dad and they were with Nana and that was good. But, you know, and I've been dragging them to rallies and freedom meetings and, you know, for two years. And so sometimes they'll say, Oh mom, not another freedom meeting, you know, but they, (laughs) we've created an unschooling community. So they have lots of friends, but the freedom part and the meetings and the gatherings of the adults, sometimes they get bored. So I think that the outcome of how they experience this will come later on. But even now when they see me on these shows or I've got, I'm doing things, I'm very busy, but I'm with them as well. You know, I remind them, you know, do you ever want to get on a plane again? (laughs) And I remind them that no matter what anybody says, the masks came off and the mandates were lifted once the, the, the truckers were dispersed. I mean, you can't tell me that that wasn't the impact that, that they had. And so they've seen that and, like immediately we went back to the city and we did all the things that you do, right. We went to restaurants, we, you know, we were kicked out of everything. So, um, we spent a few months, the last few months, just doing all those things. So I, I think they'll see the impact, you know, I think it's a, it's a fine balance when you've got them home and you're with them 24 seven and you're still trying to do work and freedom advocacy at the same time. But yeah, I think that it will, I, I can't wait 20 years to hear, you know, how they tell the story, but Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the most powerful way to teach is not brainwashing, although I do my fair share of that anyway. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's by example, what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're courageous, and you go on this journey and face the unknown and do what you can do, then that's what it's going to, um, to me, add up to in your child's life as well, at some point, right? Like, you don't, you never know how long it's going to take for those things to actually influence, especially young children. Well, and they've seen me with, uh, you know, we we go grocery shopping together. And, you know, in the small town that I was in, you know, I really stood my ground immediately, as soon as it came on, I said, we're all exempt. That's it. I figured out what the law was. And, you know, I, it was okay. I had a, a few altercations and they saw that and, you know, I didn't get belligerent like other people did, <laughs> but I stood my ground and showed them that there's nothing to fear. And, you know, when things went sideways, you know, I would take the time to try to educate the owners of the businesses. And I really, you know, explained to the kids what was going on and, and how ridiculous it was that you would, you know, cover the oxygen, the breath out of your mouth and inhale it back into your mouth. <laughs> that that just doesn't make sense. So, you know, sometimes now when we go into stores and they see a bunch of like, especially when it's like kids with masks, especially now, they'll just look at me, don't say anything, mommy, don't say anything. And I don't, I'm not going to go, you know, there, there comes a point where you realize, listen, like people have to awaken on their own. And um, even when it comes to their own kids, and it's hard, I'm sure that I have some facial leakage, which is why my kids are like, don't say anything, mommy. But I try to just stay in my own lane. um, Because I don't want anybody doing the same thing to me. So it's funny how when uh, the mask mandates were lifted, that people would say, well, you just need to be very respectful of people who are still wearing the masks, you know, they're scared. And I'm thinking, hmm, were these same people respectful when we weren't wearing masks? Were they respectful of the mandate? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of them weren't. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
No, the that's kids. a great point. It's a great point. I remember driving down the street with my son and we were going somewhere and, and he said, mom, don't embarrass me like this. Cause he, he, he'd seen a few episodes. I, I don't uh, just lay down and, and take it. It's a, you know, it's a defect or a gift. I'm not <laughs> probably both. <clears throat> and, uh, and then I had an instant flash about it. And I said, you know what? I, I might, I might embarrass you, but I'm going to embarrass you for a really good reason. And I grew up with, you know, God bless my dad. I love him and he's not here anymore. But uh, sometimes he would embarrass us for no good reason at all. Absolutely not. And so I picked my, my battles and my moments. And I think at the end of the day, seeing somebody stand up for themselves and their child and their, you know, right to breathe and move freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, to me, um, the cost of embarrassment is low. And you said it early that you had to let go or earlier on, I should say that you had to let go of what people think of you. Mm-hmm. And this is a superpower. Yeah, absolutely. It's a superpower. And I think that's what people struggle with the most because we've all been, um, hypnotized under trauma-based mind control from our own indoctrination camps that we've gone through. I've been through the school system, university myself, and we've all been, we all see the same, you know, whether you're a TV watcher, most people that are awake aren't now, but you know, when I was growing up, the movies and this and that, and it's a a type of herd mentality that's triggered within us to um, just want to play the safe card. And so it can be terrifying for most people. And we can see that to come out and and stand against the tribe and be independent but like you said earlier uh it's not going to kill you you're you're going to be okay and you actually will find your people because now you're kind of resonating at a different frequency and you'll find your matches but you have to be able to to do that and take that step right that courageous step mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly uh i want to ask you what's the most courageous thing you've ever done oh i think i think the truckers convoy, like, you know, um, I can't talk right now because I'm being investigated by Transport Canada about um, how we got there. But I'll just say that I had to take a leap of faith and um, a big financial, um, like I had to take make a decision and hope that on the other side of it, that people were going <laughs> to join. And so I remember literally saying, all right, God, like if, you know, I have to say yes now, and I still don't know the outcome. This better be, you better guide me here because this is huge, right? Because if I get stuck with this bill or whatnot, but it worked out, it worked out way better than I could have anticipated. It was meant to be, I, um, you know, how does one get up and leave their family? I had had from my prepping, a bug out bag and bug out bags for the kids. So right. when I had just a few hours to decide, I literally had cash passports, everything that I needed. And I was like, well, this is the war. I'm going to use it for this, you know? And so I was able to get out quickly. And uh, my family was very supportive, my husband included, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Up until the very end, he was getting a bit antsy for me to get home. It was a long, um, yeah, a long five, six, seven day drive home. But it was amazing because I met so many people on the way. So I would say that's the most courageous because I was by myself and I didn't know who I was going to be with. Um, I did know um, Dr. Eric Payne and I were friends and I kind of grew up with his wife. So there was one person, right? But he wasn't going to stay the whole time in Norton and he did not. But once I got to the hotel and the war room, uh, the meeting place, 
I was surrounded by a bunch of people across the nation who were there for the same reason. And every day I would have to get up and I would say, okay, God, if you want me here still, you better give me a sign. And I would end up working 15, 16 hour days doing whatever. At first it started where I was just feeding people. I was helping out with, you know, miscellaneous things and office supplies. And then um, one of the gentlemen came up to me and said like, and he was appointed to be the chair of a committee and said, you know, will you, will you be my EA? Would you be the secretary? And it's so funny because every volunteer position or board that I sat on, I've always taken the uh, the position as a secretary because my penmanship and I like to write. So I said, okay, I have purpose. And so here I am with, you know, Tamara and Chris and watching the all the good going on, people coming together and watching all the darkness in the same spot, you know, and every day going back, you know, at midnight, one o'clock in the morning to my hotel room by myself going, what am I doing? What am I, you know? And so anyway, our group and um, taking back our freedoms ended up leaving that primary station and going to another location. And it was amazing. I mean, we had Brian Peckford come out and his family. We had Dr. Paul Alexander, Brian Bridal. So we had arranged for all the speakers, um, the doctors um, to come. And we also were a part of the panel uh, um, where we invited Teresa Tam and Dr. New. New to come meet Dr. Hawkinson and Roger and Dr. Uh, Bridal or Dr. Byron Bridal and they didn't show up. So I was a part of being able to help with that and organize that. And uh, my co-host, Dr. Laura Braden is, uh, was the, the host for that. And of course they didn't show, but I mean, it was packed with alternative media. It was just great. And you know, the people I met, like, you know, became friends with it's, it's something you'll never forget. You know, Laurelyn Thompson, just these people that I had been watching for two years, these doctors I had been watching for two years in my kitchen, learning and researching. Um, I was working arm in arm with, you know, so so that was pretty that was pretty amazing. There was a lot of fear moments, but here I am continuing on. So fantastic. Yeah, I love that. It, I've done it many times. I went to India eight times alone every mm-hmm. time. And, you know, it was um face my fears and and the demons and all of that kind of thing. So you, it, it, you come out of it changed. And I think that's part of the fear is that, you know, you're not going to be the same person on the other side mm-hmm. and you're facing that absolute unknown. Okay. Okay. God, I'm stepping and I don't know if there's any ground there. Can yeah. Hopefully I'll get a breadcrumb or some kind of sign and direction. And, and, and there it came with, with um, everything falling into place so beautifully. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about tribe because you've mentioned that a few times and that's a huge subject of mine. I coach people to find their sacred purpose. And in my uh, worldview, in my experience, and especially what nearly dying taught me is that you cannot have purpose without your people, mm-hmm. right? That it, it's not just you. It doesn't matter how much you create or how much you, uh, you know, put out or work you do. If you're not doing it for your people and, and, and explicitly, who are your people? Each one has their own unique blueprint that matches up with other people's unique blueprint. And so, you know, and you talked about being in the desert, being in the, the dark night of the soul before you find your tribe. So what do you think it was that kept you going before you found your people? Well, that's a good question. <clears throat> a lot of prayer. But when I look back at my life, like you had just said, you traveled to India. And I realized I used to pick up and travel by myself all the time. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I've always been very unorthodox and, you know, alone. And, you know, I left home at 16. I left and went at 17 and, you know, lived in Quebec City, didn't quite know the language yet by myself, you know, went to school, stayed in a hotel. So I've done these things and it's led me to this, just like I think my experience with um, the organization with families with children with disabilities led me to this cause, right? Led me. So I don't know what it was that kept things okay. I think I wasn't always okay until I found my tribe, but it's odd because right before I left for Ottawa, I was involved with an organization shortly. I won't say who, but I could tell that they were, I was wanting to unite the clans. I had this idea. I really wanted to unite the clans. And even in the freedom movement, there's a lot of egos and personalities that need to be, you know, siphoned out and, and, and worked out. We really have to come together as a human collective in this time. And I think that's what the real work is right now between all of us. We have an opportunity to unite, but are we going to do it? That's kind of where I see us being at. But anyway, this group in particular really felt that their brand was this way. They didn't want to unite. They felt they had more resources and they were more sophisticated. And it just absolutely set me off. Like, I just was like, if that's where you are at and that's what you think, you've already lost. Good luck to you. So I remember that was two days before I left for Ottawa. I had no idea about Ottawa yet. And I was really upset because I had offered to try to represent this group and unite the clans and they didn't want any part of it. And it just astonished me. And again, I still felt like I didn't have my tribe. And so I remember my girlfriend said to me, if not then, if not this, then what? God will always say to you, if not this, then what? So I was like, all right, okay, if not this, then what? And I tried to let it go. And then bang, you know, like I'm on my way to Ottawa two days later. And I still didn't know until the end of the five weeks. And, you know, I'd been asked to be on the board of TBF a couple times. I was like, no, no, no. And then I was like, how can I not be with these people, you know? Um, And these are my people. So, yeah. Mm. So I don't know how you do it when you're alone. I think, you know, you find things, you know, you have to pray a lot. You're my conviction on this, my understanding and my soul of what this was and is is so strong that I'm willing to die for it so it really doesn't matter like it really didn't matter I wasn't even really looking for my tribe sure it's great and meet like-minded people but when you feel that strongly about something for yourself and your children and humanity you can be alone Mm-hmm. You know? spoken like a true king hero over there and willing <laughs> to die for this right we, we I think we all had to come or I don't know we all but I certainly had to come to that point seeing that I might have to give my life for this mm-hmm. yeah uh, it, and, to me it's what's the alternative you know right. we we give over bodily sovereignty it's game over for our children and our grandchildren you know exactly. our, our right to breathe are you kidding me i mean i'd always say before i'd walk in the store not today satan not today <laughs> and, you know, i was like i gotta get a t-shirt that says that that's but, awesome um, i love that yeah <laughs> that's so good uh yeah, it's, um, oh, I got thrown off by that. Not today, Satan. That's a really good, oh. we definitely, definitely needed t-shirt. <laughs> it's so good. I was yeah. actually going to uh, thread back to the, the convoy because that was very interesting. We were all, you know, fatigued. There was two years of constant, by the way, this is my 201st interview in uh, two years oh, wow. since the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank amazing, you. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot. And, um, 
And so, you know, it, it, you spend a lot of time and there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of, um, you know, fighting, uh, trying to make change, trying to uh, take a stand, have the conviction as you said, you know, do the inner work, the spiritual work that inevitably has to be done in this case that you're talking about. And when the convoy happened, it was like, oh my, you know, finally somebody is getting it. And then you're like, look at all the people. Where did they come from? Because they had us convinced it was, we were this fringe minority, which is really a joke after that. And they just kept coming and coming and coming and this energy rose and I'm crying all day long and searching out interviews. And it, it became a very exciting time because even, even in our local communities going out, the truckers are coming through and where did all these people come from? They're at every corner, not just one location. We chase yeah. them around and all the children and the old people and, you know, it, nothing fringe about it. It was a beautiful thing. And so um, sorry about that ding. I can't do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> New computer. And so, you know, I, I also started because I've got a journalistic side to me, and I know you do as well with your podcast. So I started digging and looking and pulling the wool back. And I'm very used to at this point seeing conspiracy, not just the mainstream flavor, but the, you know, that's that's literally designed for us. They knew there was a certain number of people who were going to awaken, awaken to this thing. And they designed all kinds of things for us, media, characters, shows, you know, you name it. And so I was slowly waking up to all of that side of things as well that had been engineered. There were so many pop-ups that, you know, people who never were doing anything before literally didn't exist. You couldn't find one shred of evidence. And then there they were in a full-blown um, uh, law movement of some kind and making these grandiose claims. We, we studied the law a lot. And so I could see that in the truckers' convoy. I could see that there were snakes there and there was mm -hmm. inner conflict and there was people with different stories. And then there's mm -hmm. the lawyers and the blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, I was not willing to see it as a complete psyop mm -hmm. because when the people rose and they showed themselves and it was, it was the average person. It was just like, you know, they, they all took it upon themselves to, to take that on. And I saw the organic nature. So this is the point I'm coming to you in a, in mm -hmm. a long way, but, but the power of grassroots, I know we've said, you know, people say that a lot and you throw that word around. I've been digging in my garden. I inherited a, a space not far from me. And it was covered in, in quack grass. If you're not familiar, that is like the most formidable beast that can grow okay. in the earth. <laughs> and you have to muscle it. And it, it, uh, it's determined to hold on to the earth. I believe that's its job to, to stop the earth from desertifying. Because mm -hmm. uh, it just like, I'm here forever. And, and in the pulling of it, it, was, it, it's always been a very beautiful metaphor symbol for me of this is what we need. So you've seen a lot of organizations come and a lot of, they, they run just like all of the top-down public institutions that are um, not just dysfunctional, but are, you know, cause, causing harm, slowing people down, all of this kind of thing. And I just saw how this truckers movement became, it was usurped, right? Even if it was weaponized against us here, it was totally usurped by the people in this grassroots, unstoppable way. 
because sure you can you can cut somebody's head off or ticket them or you can you know shame them but but this route over here is still going yeah <laughs> and it's not stopping so yeah i just i just couldn't help making that point about about this is this is to me the thing that that uh, the place that we can unite is in our own grassroots Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, I saw that too. I I saw it firsthand, like right in front of me. The darkness, the plants, you know, <laughs> government plants, whatever you want to call them. I, um, and and that's one of the reasons that we broke away from the location that we were at. And and as soon as we did, it was like five hundred pounds lifted. So I always say this about people who think it was a psyop or whatever it was. This lit a fire in the hearts of the Canadian people. This reawoken, whatever you want to call it, this could have been a psyop. You had some plants, but it didn't work. All it did was expose them and unite us. And if you think because it's over, that it's over, all of those people have now connected. I am now connected to a network across this nation of people that I was in the trenches with that and we are still, you know, 15 hours a day doing this kind of work. So things are happening just because there's not another convoy right now at this time there's lots of stuff happening and so we found each other in that way and so it's very powerful um and really revolutionary for canadians anyway that they would be the tip of the sword for the rest of the world which is very fascinating because i think by design we have been conditioned to be the compliant, obedient, polite ones, thinking that we're so safe and free because they always knew all along we would be under attack, um, you know, at a certain at a certain date, a certain point. So I think we're most of the Commonwealth countries are some of the most, um, you know, under heavy trauma-based mind control. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this was really important that this happened in Canada. It definitely gave me, um, has inspired me. I know that those people, it's not like they've gone back to sleep. It's not like they don't think that freedom is worth fighting for anymore. It, the next thing will be, you know, the next wave, so to speak, is James Top coming, going to Ottawa on the 22nd, 23rd of June, you know, mm-hmm. and that'll happen in a different form, though. But there's lots of forces coming to help him. And now there's reports that are out and public, uh, you know, uh, public published about all of the data that in asking for criminal allegations to be looked at by RCMP and police, but it, now it's ready for public to be able to see just Canada health data showing that this was a false narrative and that this is crimes against humanity. So lots of people and pockets of people working all over the place. The snakes will always show themselves. You just keep doing you. You just keep being and standing in your own sovereignty. All that stuff we don't need to worry about. We don't need to dramatize it. They will show themselves. And they did. They did. And and they still are. There's still a lot of them out there. But you know what? Karma will take care of that. The people will see. They'll see through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it's really a matter of time before people expose themselves mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can never really know intent. So they may be acting sideways, they may be compromised. How did they get there? Are they a ringleader? Are they just literally, uh, you know, their own good intentions have been usurped along those lines, and, and they have to learn that lesson. You don't know. So there's no way to, you know, try to impose that kind of 
uh, judgment on them. That's not our, that's not our job for sure. Absolutely. But there's some Mm -hmm. people where it's really clear when you check their background that why would they be in this at all? Mm-hmm. when they were in certain campaigns and working for people on the complete opposite spectrum. So, you know, mm-hmm. unless they're coming public with a story that changed them or some spiritual awakening um, there, it's pretty easy to find out sometimes like uh, somebody's intentions, but there are, then of course, like you said, there's some people that um, don't maybe know that they're being compromised. Um, and then sometimes it's the big swing and dick complex, you know, and that's what I'm seeing <laughs> in a room full of guys and women who are fighting for some kind of power, not remembering who they are or what this is about, because this is about us together, united. There is no one leader. There is no one person or party coming to save us. This is about the human collective and the consciousness and the awakening of it. And the leaders will change when our consciousness changes as a collective. So the best thing we can do is do our own inner work and find our tribe and the thing that resonates with us the most and do as much work as you can towards that. Mm, So wise. I love that. Yeah. Oh, darn. There's so much in there. I'm not even sure where to begin unpacking, but um, let's see, where should we go? I wanted to make sure to, we're, we're talking about politics roughly. Do you ever see yourself going into politics? I'll just full disclosure. I have a, a, you know, major aversion, and I'm willing to get past it as well. I don't disbelieve that, uh, you know, for, for example, I don't want to just crush the government and smash it. We would crush our infrastructure. We would we would uh, disable ourselves. I'm a huge fan of the private, but have seen after two years of studying the law, it's not about about killing the public, right? The, the public is a predator, but it's because it's so completely out of balance, and so I, I love what you said, you know, when we change, the the leaders will change. And even better than smashing and, and crushing them is to make the, the level that allows them to be a tyrannical force in our life irrelevant, right? We start looking after ourselves in ways that it takes a lot more responsibility and a lot more creativity and a lot more collaboration and relationships yeah. that were difficult to have. We didn't need to have before. Now we really need to have them. I can see you want to say something. Oh yeah, no, I, it's funny that you bring this up because I just recently in the last few days have been asked to work on somebody's campaign and declined. Um, not because I don't love this candidate or think that it could be successful, but I really have to be careful right now where my energy goes. I think that goes from all of us. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I have spent a lot of time um, communicating, doing our podcast that the five weeks in Ottawa, all of it very can be draining. Um, but I also have my, my kids home with me full time. I'm, I'm, I'm an unschooling advocate. I've created a community of, of unschool and homeschoolers out in our community I want to teach and help parents with that. I want to start building that parallel society like you're talking about, whether it's private. I am so, I, I commend everybody who's on this journey and who wants to fight for freedom in the ways they think they should. But for me personally, I can't fight and build within that system. To me, that system's on fire and most people are running out of these institutions and systems because they should be. And it needs to burn to the ground. That's my opinion. Um, So I don't think I'm the best person to be working on anybody's political campaign because I have that view. I won't be able to give anything wholeheartedly. So that's why I declined. I want to build what's not seen yet. You know, we are 
you know, have one foot in the world that's on fire and a world that's not quite built yet. And so that's where I really want to put my focus and energy and also the work that I'm doing with the self-sabotage with Jason Kristoff and learning more about mind control and how we can break away from these patterns that have been set um, and within our, within our, they're like mind viruses really, which makes us do irrational behavior. Um, and so it's like uncovering who's behind this, you know, and how do we get ourselves out of this mess? So that's kind of where I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. We're so much alike. Maybe we're separated at birth or something (laughs) (laughs) because my main mission has for a long time since surviving cancer using this work is, is the deprogramming, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That this is all the need for approval, the, the fear of not surviving, the, Mm -hmm. the always trying to, uh, you know, assert control over things when we really have control over things. So it ends up being this vacuum of control over things. And so this is this is the heart and soul to me that if we could let go of enough layers of what was implanted through trauma, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not our fault, and right from birth, unfortunately, the way mm-hmm. things tend to go in this world, then we would be uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. They exactly. really, we would have clear sight. We would see. We would have discrimination, but when you're seeing through that programming, you're lost. And I just wanted to quickly uh, reflect also, you were talking about the, in in my world, the king archetype, which is uh, their vulnerability, their shadow. So even if you have a really good intention person who goes into it, maybe it's politics, maybe it's leading an organization in the freedom movement, whatever it is, then they're going to have to wrestle with power. Mm -hmm. Because this is, this becomes the unconscious instead of working truly for freedom that will humble you to your knees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If if, uh, my experience is any, any uh, indication that, that hunger for power, it gets you out of your, because this is what happens for with politics. You get the good intention person and then they realize that if I don't stay in power, then I can't help people. So it becomes a closed loop inside. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there any way out of it? I think there is because, you know, you, it's what you said. It's the inner work. If, if those kings could do that work and have enough self-awareness and be uncontrollable and be willing to, to not, you know, lead in that way, then uh, they would be the true leader. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess I feel at this point that I don't want to be governed anymore. You know, I mm. spent a many, many years going to the Yoshadra ashram in BC since I was 19 mm. and learning how communal living works. And even though the Swami Shivananda Radha was the founder, she wasn't the queen. It was a very different vibration. And, you know, she was wise and she was a teacher, but we all were in our own essence and we worked together in collaboration to make that entire place run at such a high loving frequency. And I know that the capabilities that humans have, and to me, it just doesn't happen with structured government of the old world. It really is the old world dying slowly and very loudly right now. That's how I kind of view it. So um, even if they did, if they were able to wrestle with their king archetype and the power loop, I believe that um, as we evolve as a human collective and take responsibility for ourselves and our own children, and we deprogram ourselves, we don't need that kind of governance. We don't need that kind of kingship. We don't need any of that. So it really is, like you said, the word irrelevant. And that's been on my mind since Ottawa is to make 
these systems irrelevant. And I loved your podcast uh, with Amanda Vollmer and um, I listened to it with the other gentleman. I can't remember his name. Dean Clifford. Yeah. Talking more about that. And I'm just entering into that. That's just another, a whole nother <laughs> rabbit realm. hole of the sovereignty realm and how to you know navigate this and, you know, fee rates, but that's kind of where I see myself going. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that. Uh, in my world, how I've worked it out is that you got you got kings in the public and then you've got kings in the private. And, and the kings in the private are in a much more organic environment. I always think of my nieces and nephews who don't talk to me anymore from post-pandemic, but uh, when, and as they were growing up, I saw them become each other's leaders. Mm. So the, you know, the, the eight-year-old would would lead my two-year-old son and, and, and my two-year-old would go and lead the baby. And, you know, there was yeah, this, yeah. this beautiful flow of energy and you never had to teach them or tell them to do it. They just did it naturally. Mm -hmm. And so they were the king to one. And then the grandpa would come along and the eight-year-old was, was uh, no longer the king. And it, so it was, it was just a flow and a movement and natural, you know, when, when you think about say law in the private, it's all tribunals, it's all conversations. It's all, um, you know, it's not, it's not codified because the code would stop you from being able to respond to that exact situation in that exact moment. Maybe you need a, a whole jury of 24, grand jury of 24 people to look at an issue. And maybe you just need one simple conversation between the two people that are in conflict. Mm -hmm. And you can't know that until you get to that moment. So I think the king is still uh, very much going to persist, but it's that tyrannical public king which we won't need anymore. We won't need, and mm -hmm. and to be aware that that is, we're always vulnerable to that, mm -hmm. to the draw mm -hmm. of that. So anyway, that's my big speech mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. about it. it. I want to make sure we have time to talk about children. We touched oh, on yeah. it with, uh, you know, it, it, is there anything more important, Tasha? No, I really, there's not. I mean, that's what we're doing this for, right? Is to protect the next generation and not go down the path that we've been led. Um, so I can tell you a bit about my unschooling experience mm -hmm. and how I got Please to that. Do. And what so, is unschooling? Right. So, so unschooling, it's, it's not homeschooling. So I would describe homeschooling as, you know, a family trying to emulate what goes on in the classroom uh, in their, at their kitchen table for less time than they would typically spend in a school and trying to kind of cram in the curriculum in, uh, you know, one to three hours with their kids. And maybe they have the freedom to do other things at different days. And that's great. And people do it different ways. But unschooling is the philosophy of freedom, complete freedom, which what is what I find most interesting is what's going on on a macro level with our government and ourselves is what I'm doing in my home on a micro level. So I'm moving out of the authoritative paradigm. We are an authoritative paradigm with our government and it's an abusive relationship and we've been in it since birth. And so it's hard to question if the fish is in water when the fish doesn't know it's living in the water, right? That's, mm. But that's the awakening that's happening right now. So unschooling is moving from an authoritative paradigm into a partnership with your children. You realizing that ultimately as much as we want freedom, so do they. And giving them the capacity and the landscape to choose what they want to do when they want to learn for how long to quit any time to trust their innate ability to seek their interests through their passions so I know that's a mouthful but what I mean by that is 
the pursuit of happiness is first. The pursuit of passion and interest is the soul's language. And the byproduct is education. Whereas in school, education is the goal. Happiness and pursuit of passions is just, you know, you're lucky if you get that. And so I came to um, the realization that I was a complete disaster at trying to homeschool the kids because I was awakening spiritually to what I was surrounded with in the world, but I wasn't prepared. I was, I would never have homeschooled my kids prior to 2020. (laughs) And so out of necessity and understanding the danger that they were in immediately, I had to come up with something. So I tried within, in the fall, failed miserably after the first four days and said, ended up by synchronicity, finding a video from Dr. Kelly Brogan. Um, so her friend, Dana Martin was on there talking about unschooling. And I remember just like this, they were having a conversation and she said, I just need you to know if one of my children come in, um, I'll have to take a moment and attend to them and then I'll be back. And I was thinking to myself, what? I've been on video calls for work and, and things and people are shushing their kids and we're putting up notes and the food's in the fridge and I'm working and... I just knew I was so inspired. I said, why don't I just do that? Why can't, did I not think I'm allowed to do that? Am I not allowed to say my kids come first? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that I just wanted to know more. So anyway, long story short, DanaMartin.com. You can find her, did all her programming. She became my mentor. I worked one-on-one with her for over a year, um, deprogramming myself, understanding the dark agenda behind public schooling and compulsory schooling, um, going down all those rabbit holes and realize that there's absolutely no going back. And so, you know, the bulk of the work of unschooling really is to the parent on deprogramming. That's what it is. Your kids are fine. That you couldn't stop them from learning if you tried, right? right? It's about us getting out of the head that they ought to know a lot of this useless information that is bestowed upon them to kill and squash their creativity. We are not breeding um worker bees anymore so i look at it like you've got the government school facilities molding your children the way they want them to be when it's over and unschooling is taking back your power and letting them unfold to who they were meant to be you know getting in touch with their soul their soul's path and being a facilitator to help them find and do and explore all the things that they want to. And you do it as a family. So it's meeting the needs of everyone in the family. So it is a huge paradigm shift, Beth. This is like, you know, people can't even understand unless they're on at least the freedom train. And even some of the freedom train people are like, ah, no way. But I think that we're going to see more and more the exposure of what's going on and what we've already done to our kids in the last two years. There's a huge movement right now of people calling me. I knew this was going to happen in my soul. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to turn my mess into a message. So I said, God, turn my mess into a message and help me create community here because I needed it. I had nobody. And I was like, okay, well, let me just start. I'm going to build something and hopefully they come. And they did. And they are, and now they're coming in battalions. So it's, um, I want to be a support to people to help them deprogram and help them understand what they've been in and help them live harmoniously with their children because there actually is a way to do that. And it's the way it was supposed to be. It's the way God intended. We were tricked and we were lied to thinking that we needed to hand our children off at the age of five and that we were 
incapable of raising our children. We were unschooling parents from zero to five, but we were programmed to hand them off. And why was that? All you got to do is find out who the ruling class elite families are that have been doing this COVID con, that have been doing this to us for thousands of years. And you see, it's the same characters. It's the same last names. They change them here and there. It's the same companies, um, the big pharma, the BlackRock, the Vanguard, the Rockefellers, all of it. And so then you're like, oh my gosh, this actually feels really empowering. I'm, I'm out of the matrix. I'm not running around doing brown lunch bags and I got, oh, Ter Terry Fox run. And oh, you know, all these things that I thought were so admirable at the time, like I have to be on top of it. Otherwise, I'm not a good mom. Mm. Program, 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 right? I've got to have them in all these activities. Otherwise, I'm not a good mom. Running, 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 right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, you know, so it's... um. It's, it's amazing. It's so liberating. And it's not in it. And there are times where it's messy. And in there, there are times when um, things don't go right. And you question yourselves. And that's why I want to, I'm starting these weekly parenting coaching calls to build community. And mm. we talk about all the things and, and I do one on one coaching. And that's, that's kind of, um, yeah, that's a long or short description of unschooling anyway. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, it's music to my ears. We all know it. And I can't help myself again, because I've been so immersed in the law stuff. But what you're describing really is the private domain that there are our public controllers are going out of their way to obscure that it even exists. But it's like the fish in water. Like you said, we've 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 already this is a different way to use the same metaphor, but we've already been in water our whole life. Like you said, from zero to five, you were unschooling your children. You just never called it that. Nobody had any name for it. You're just living your life organically, right? There is this, there is a matter of nature will take its course. It's all designed and rigged in our favor. This is the paradise. This is the promised land. As far as I'm concerned, I'll just blurt that right out. There's no dine and go to heaven. I'll just blurt that out too, because I don't have any uh, fear of offending people on that one. And what, you know, there's nothing more organic than a child, their passions, their interests. They came fully blueprinted with purpose and mission and ways to connect in the world that are, go are going to be unknown to you until a certain point when you start to see those those uh, shades come through. And I just think there's nothing more powerful than allowing children to grow as they do. I gave my son a few gifts of, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't wean him. I didn't tell him no more. And I'm not putting any parents down that did that. I can understand there's times for it even. And, but I just decided, no, he's going to be the one to choose that moment of, of development of growth of courage or whatever it was that it, it was going to take him. And you could see the moment that I know I've, I've said this before, but what I offered to nurse when he hurt himself one time and he looked at me and he said, no, thanks. Or, you know, he said, no mama, no mama. And there was this like, whoa, expansion uh, yeah. in his being, you know, anything that I, people would always tell me, oh, put that kid down or he shouldn't be in diapers anymore. Or, he should be doing this or he should be at that level. And I just started seeing, actually, it's way more powerful that he chooses mm -hmm. the timing and I looked around in society and I noticed more or less everybody got out of diapers and off the boob and all that kind of stuff, right? It just seemed to work out. So it was probably going to be the case. And uh, and uh, my son has a level of security I don't often see. I'm not taking credit for that. He He must have obviously had something to do with it. But it's possible that they can learn. I love what you said about education being the side effect, the happy side effect. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it, it, unschooling is just the next step from attachment parenting. Um, I wish I had have known this. There's so many things that I did that I felt coerced to do, like um, being in the, from the Jewish religion and having to circumcise the boys. I didn't want to do it. And I felt so much tribal pressure and from my husband. And I'm not going to blame them. They also have been indoctrinated. But, you know, I knew. I knew in my heart. You know, I cried the whole time. This isn't what I wanted. And it's a very hard thing to admit to and to realize when you are doing the deprogramming on how many things that you did just to go along with the tribe. Um, but it's a place that we have to get to, to humble ourselves and to make that leap and to grow, you know, yeah. but the kids, you know, when you tell a child, this is just an example. So let's say with forced learning, you're, the child isn't interested in doing social studies in the moment or whatever they're working on and you say no it doesn't matter you well, this is what we're doing right so when you ask a child if they're genuinely interested in doing something and they say no i'm not i don't want to do that right now and you don't respect that you are basically telling them not to trust their soul not to trust themselves if you tell them and not to doing, tell you the truth and not to tell you the truth yeah. And then if you force them, all you're doing with forced learning is destroying a relationship with your child because yeah. control and look at it on a macro level, control invites rebellion. That's what the government's doing. It's inevitable here. They, they're going to keep hammering down. It's inevitable that there's going to be more rebellion with us, you know, so it's the same thing with our children, right? So it's, it's, yeah. it's feeding their interests seeing and not worrying about these programs that we've been told that I, I had them myself, like, oh my gosh, they're going to be behind. Mm -hmm. What does that even mean? Be behind in what? Be behind with who? Comparison kills joy. Let's get that straight. Let's talk <laughs> about this, you know, but it takes time to, to deprogram and then to see the results. So I, the first year, first year and a half, I'd still, and even there's sometimes now I still work with my mentor on certain issues like technology and stuff and how much, and you know, my mentor is a radical unschooler. So she unschools mm -hmm. her in every aspect. So her four children are now adults. Uh, she has one teenager, the youngest, but she let them eat whatever, sleep whenever, one in the morning, wake up when they want. None of them had seen school. My kids were in grade four and grade one when I pulled them out. So they knew enough about what school was about, but not enough that they were yet, you know, indoctrinated, so to speak, especially with the garbage that's in the school systems right now. So I'm really happy about that. But I am more of a, um, a like a radical unschooler with just the education piece. Like they still go to bed, but I'm more relax now when they say no about stuff or they don't want to do this camp or they want to stay up a bit later, but to like leave them all night staying up, I'm not there yet. Maybe I will be one day. I don't know, but it is a process. And so it's, it's progression, not perfection. You have to remember that. Mm -hmm. And that's why having a coach or having a community is so important, right? Because we need to support each other, but also check ourselves. Like, you know, for example, my mentor would say to me, well, why are you saying no to that? you know, or with food. Well, do you not want them to discern for themselves what's too much and what's too little? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe he gets sick, but what if you tell him he gets sick and he doesn't get sick, then he won't believe you. Right. What if I say to you, if you eat too much of that, you're going to get sick. And then he eats too much of that and he didn't get sick. And then he just stops trusting what I'm saying. So all you can really do or what you're encouraged to do in this lifestyle is share your experience, share your knowledge, um, give them resources, you know, but you're trying to under your roof in a safe space, let them 
get in touch with themselves and discern for themselves and their own moral and spiritual compass what's right for them. Has that not been what's been lost? Is that not the, the golden ticket that we're all looking for that somebody stole from us since birth? I'd say so. Mm -hmm, exactly. We have only to act free because we're there. We're there already. The Pharaoh's in retreat, mm -hmm. right? The, this, this, this empire is mm -hmm. falling. There's mm -hmm. no question of it, but we still act. We were born in captivity. We keep acting like we're in captivity and therefore we are in captivity. Um, I love the point that you're making. It's so highly nuanced. And any anyone that doesn't have children is an expert in parenting. And every any and every parent that's really doing it, you know, you end up learning so much about yourself and being humbled. This was a highly what what you just described, I believe, is absolutely true. They came with their own purpose. They need to learn to make decisions. There's, you know, so much dignity that you can give a child by not. Uh, asking them what they want and then going against it. I, I catch myself in that and I'm like, well, I just asked you. And if I really want to force you, I shouldn't ask you because that's, that's just a, an insult to the soul. Absolutely. Now what's been weaponized against us. And I had to go through this when they uh, in Manitoba said that the 12 year olds could decide that for themselves to get an injection mm -hmm. without parental consent or presence. Mm -hmm. And they would help them hide uh, that they were doing it. So this is a total line in the sand. I'm like, that's it. We started to write notices 28 pages later, 12 snakes up the chain. And that I was, I was terrified. I'd never studied law in my whole life. I was never taken action. It, it's certainly in, in uh, law. It was very unknown. I didn't know what I was setting myself up for. And, but I really had to dig in deep on the spiritual side of what you're saying is that my son can decide. And his dad was, was uh, agreeing with that. And I, I re-looked at my role as a mother. What did I hire myself for? What did God hire me for in, in bring, taking responsibility for bringing life into the world? It's a very high responsibility, huge. And to say, oh, well, it's your choice for poison injection. I'm like, hmm, doesn't sound right to me. Because mm -hmm. this is a life-changing decision. Same with the tax. Not, it's not legal for them to drive a car. It's not legal for them to... Um, you know, get a tattoo, even a tattoo artist will be smart enough to, to send them home and say, no, go talk to your parents. I need a note or come back when you're 18 or whatever it is. And, uh, and so that's when I went into real mama bear mode and, and became stepped, stepped into out of that, what had for me been a new age brainwashing about, oh, they're all their own souls and they do their own thing. And you got to give them all the choices, let them make the mistakes. There is truth in that. That's why, that's why it's, it's so highly nuanced, but I reinserted myself as a leader in my son's life. And mm -hmm. I'm cause he's going like, I don't know to get an injection or not. He's like, um, he hadn't, he literally couldn't, decide. And I just took the bull by the horns. And, and I said, I'm going to decide for you until I see you are fully capable of making responsible choices for yourself. And he's like, whoo, like this, mm -hmm. right? He didn't have to go in. He didn't have to go to war with anybody. He didn't have to anything. And uh, in the end, he's making very good decisions. But what do you, what do you think of that? Like the, the psyop of, oh, there, did, did you, were you well, influenced by that, the new age side? Well, freedom of choice for your children, um, in the unschooling philosophy 
is not the same as when there is an absolute evil attack against them that is uh, disguising itself as a Trojan horse, disguising itself as caring for and health care and whatever nonsense than lyria that they're portraying about um, these vaccines that are actually designed to kill us. So no, um, that's not when I would ever give a choice. And, right. um, and that is, um, I just feel like I, I can't think of anything more evil than, than, you know, we still have a job as the protectors of our children, even in the unschooling, of course, right? But we're more just so. giving them, yeah, more so, right? But uh, we're just giving them the freedom to make the, this, the choices that are, you know, in alignment with their age, right? Exactly. In the yeah. range of their, their development their capabilities. and capacity. Yes. yes. You know, and I've shared with my kids exactly what this vaccine is. And like my son's going to camp for a week, this um, uh, one camp in particular. So the Jewish camps didn't want to have the unvaccinated kids. And then, you know, I fought with them for four months. So they changed that, but they're masking and testing. And I'm like, this is garbage. So I found a camp for a week that isn't that he can go with his cousin with that isn't masking and testing. Um, although they're making all of their employees be vaccinated, which I have a real problem with, but it's, you know, mm -hmm. here or there. So, and I have this fear about letting him go and I have to let that go because he wants to go, but I have this fear of, will they try to do something to him while he's not there? So, you know, but he will be 12 at that time. And, you know, so we're just having conversations now about if somebody says you have to test or if somebody says you have to wear a mask or if somebody says, um, you know, talks about the vaccine under no circumstances. And these are the reasons why. And so I'm going to trust at 12 that he has the ability to um, speak his truth and speak his mind and refer, I always say if like when we would be places and they wouldn't be wearing masks and somebody would go after him because they, people feel entitled to talk to kids a certain way. They wouldn't talk to adults. You know, you've seen these people, right. And they're, they're yelling or scolding the child. But if I was standing there, they wouldn't have done that. And so I always say to them, you look them straight in this, the eye and you say, I'm exempt. And if you have a problem with it, you can go talk to my mom. <laughs> Of course, they never would, right? But it's to empower them. We have to empower them. Not, it's you know, unschooling seems a bit like we are. I am hiding them from danger. They're not going back to those institutions. Mm -hmm. um, but that's because their needs are being met. So this isn't the type of lifestyle where you can just um, have them home and just whatever. No, it's you actually have to be more present than you've ever been. And you have to completely readjust your life. My life is completely different than it was two years ago. You know, I'm, I've let go of working in the family business. I'm living out in, in Vermeer instead of in the, in the city because in the city, it's very hard to be an unschooler in the sense that everything costs money. And the kid, most of the kids are in school. I could have created that. But if I have a place in Invermere, I wanted to do that. Nature's free right? Mm -hmm. Nature's free. And it's <laughs> it, this old system, this old world, this prop is propping up this corrupt way to live, right? Like, and I'm not to say it's not great once in a while. You have movies, you've got the ju jumping parks, you've got the, but all of these things are just like representative of this AI or this old system that requires energy and money to participate in when you can go outside if you left your child out for 10 years in the backyard and out in nature they would learn everything that they need to learn <laughs> to be a competent well-rounded happy adult from nature alone honestly mm -hmm. like so I, I'm, I'm seeing all the results but 
anyway, that was a long winded answer to uh, the vaccine, but no, under no circumstances, do we just let them do of course, you know, absolutely anything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a myth. If anybody had it, then uh, it, that it's good and dispelled. Now mm-hmm. it makes, it makes you more responsible when, when you take the power that you have into your own hands, it's the reason people don't do it. It's frightening to mm-hmm. think that you'd be responsible for yourself. Like lots of people come to mind when something happens to them. And it's like, okay, well, I've got, you know, maybe I've got parents who are going to pick up after me, even though I'm an adult and I've got a government in Canada that's going to pay the bills because I can't this or I can't that. Or if I get sick, I've got this healthcare system that's going to take care of me. We all have seen the illusions of that. I had to learn the really hard way in that case. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. I just want to tell you, like, you know, looking at you, Tasha, listening to you, almost everything you say is a soundbite. And I mean that as a, as a huge compliment, by the way, just like the amount of wisdom I can see that you have you. gleaned from your experiences mm-hmm. and your willingness to go off into this much more uh, self-determined, self-governed kind of a life. And this is freedom. This, mm-hmm. Right. That's that's exactly we're so in alignment with this. I knew I, yeah. I definitely needed to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so we're down to our last minutes now. And mm-hmm. is there any message that you feel like hasn't been spoken so far that you feel very strongly that gets out that people can help us share? Um, I would just say for people who are questioning or wondering, you know, if if you no longer trust your government or health ministries or these systems that we've grown up with, you know, do you trust the institutions that are funded by that same government? You know, so I always say we're not free until we're all free. And that applies on a macro level. When you look at the fact that there's 7 million of us that still can't travel and see our families cross country. We're not free until we're all free, but that includes our children. You know, it's time for us as a community, you know, a freedom, new age, new, new earth, I'll say community to start looking at what our children have been going through. You know, I know that for a lot of people, the idea of having their children be at home with them while they work or juggle all of the antics of life seems insurmountable. You know, some people say there's just no way I'm not designed for that. But um, there is a way and it's, um, it is worth it. And, you know, if you are questioning at all what's happening or what's about to happen in the fall, now's the time. Like now's the time. It's the time to take our children back, take them out of harm's way. There's a train on fire that's coming through our town and you can't stop it. And I feel like we need to just almost give it a tap on the way through because it's meant to go through. It's meant to go through. And mm-hmm. so is it that serious? I believe so. Mm-hmm. So do mm-hmm. it now. Find a board that supports unschooling. If that's what you're interested, start doing your research. If this resonates with you at all, there's a million books out there. I've got a couple here. Unschooling to University by Judy Arnell. You find unschooled books, all sorts of people. There's podcasts. This Can is you a hold really big. Oh, yeah. This is a really mm-hmm. good one. Uh, Weapons of Mass Instruction. This guy, John Taylor Gatto, Gatto. Mm -hmm. you know, he was 30 years in the system, um, you know, awarded the uh, teacher of New York of the year and in the state. And he's come out saying how public school is designed to destroy our children's imagination and creativity. 
And it's to create um, obedient, compliant order takers, right? And mm -hmm. we're seeing that on a massive scale. We're seeing how that works. So it's time to take back our power and we can start with our children. And you do that by getting them out of school. So that's mm. my, my message to the mm. mamas and papas who are questioning. That's beautiful. Could I ask a quick question also about the regulations? No, uh, education is a provincially regulated process, right? And so do you, are you getting any interference from the province about having your kids not even uh, homeschooled? Because they do regulate the homeschooling, at least in Manitoba, they do. They'll follow up and you know, make mm -hmm. sure what kind of curriculum you're doing. How do you manage that on the, uh, on the legal side? With, uh, well, how I manage that is right now I'm jumping the hoops that I need to jump to stay in that legal, you know, framework because I haven't jumped into, you know, my taking um, direction of my own person or taking control of my own person and mm -hmm. all of those things that entail. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> you do what's what you can do to, you know, when you have a tyrannical government, you do what you need to do to keep your children safe. And if that means I have to, for myself, like in BC, there's no follow-up. You can just unschool your kids uh, or have your kids home. In Alberta, you, I have a board that supports the philosophy and you have 22 outcomes that you need by the end of grade 12. So at the beginning of the year, I write in the boxes some of the things that we're going to do that'll produce that outcome. It typically changes and we don't get to half of them and maybe we do other stuff. But I literally find that I meet with our home director twice a year and the amount of things that we do probably far outweighs what they're doing in school because mm. she keeps telling me how amazing they are and that they're lucky to have me. So I'm thinking I must be on the right track, but I'm not doing it for, I'm a present parent as much as I can be. I always make sure we're outdoors every day that we're connecting with people, mm. but I'm feeding their interests. I'm not worried about, you know, feeding a cabal curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I hate to call it that, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Even when you start getting into the math and the math that they're teaching, when you kind of understand the bigger agenda and you have a bird's eye view of who's running the people that rule us in this human farm, you know, it's so easy to walk away from the education system and not be worried that they're going to be anything other than the bright, beautiful souls they came down to be because I am blocking the interference and I'm working on my own mind control, self-sabotage, you know, mind viruses that I have. So, so yeah, so mm -hmm. you want to find a board that supports you, figure out what, what goes on in each province. But, um, but yeah, but the most important thing is to find a community of like-minded individuals who are doing the same thing that you can rely on when you're, when you go through the trials. Exactly. Parenting was not meant to be done in isolation regardless. So that's right. yeah, that's super good advice. And uh, I hope we get a chance to talk about it in more, more depth because our time is coming to a close now. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there's so much I want to say. I've got uh, somebody, uh, uh, a good connection in the UK and they're really, they're really harsh. Like the idea of keeping your kids home is, is not a little thing and, and they threaten to, you know, I, I'm not sure what the punishment is, but it's, it's a big deal. So the more people that do this and uh, speaking to my, to myself as well, that's, it's something I would do in a heartbeat. I would have done. Uh, it, sadly, it's the pandemic that now made my son want school because it's his only point of contact yeah. with those. Right. So it's, it's sheer torture, but you know, he can't help, but 
see what, uh, you know, how I live and how I, I feel. And he now sounds like a truth before he was very, you know, two years ago, he was like, I don't know anything. I don't believe you. I don't believe my dad. And I said, to, I said to him, actually, that's fantastic that you don't believe us. That's fantastic. That means you're exercising your own ability mm -hmm. to think. And also, I just want to add to that, that, mm -hmm. you know, you can still live the unschooling philosophy, even if your child's in school because of, you know, divorced parents or the child is deciding mm -hmm. they want to go to school. What you do is you, you reiterate over and over to the game that, that, you know, you don't, we don't look at grades. That's not how we evaluate your worth. Um, you can always leave at any time. I'm here for you. Yeah, you know, we, there's, you can show them different communities. It's a very different experience going to school, knowing that at any time you can walk out and leave right. than being forced to go. So don't think that you're not practicing the unschooling uh, paradigm because you are. I've done that from the get go. Honestly, it's been it's been like, oh, a la carte. What do you have for me today? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, we don't want that. But thanks. Anyway, we're going to go on to the park and do our own thing. So uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And do take Tasha up on her coaching services. I think I'm a huge fan of coaching. I am a coach trainer, by the way. Uh, I'm now enrolling for the Journey Code Coaching Certification Program. It's going to start in September. Spots are already uh, gone. So if you're interested in becoming a coach yourself and learning to help people deprogram with archetypes and the tools that just simply work, if you have that desire for freedom, then uh, shoot me a message at my at my website or beth at bethmartins.com and please visit tashafishman.com and uh mm -hmm. is there any other links that you'd like to send people to i think i've i've shared a few more in the in the show uh, notes as well um i'm at i'm on instagram at um at mama fishman um that's kind of my political one and then i have at unschooling our kids at unschooling our kids is uh my my other one. And then I'm on Facebook, but I'm getting warned and banned and, you know, censored and all the things. So I just got back in a couple of weeks ago on Facebook. So we'll see how long I last, but. <laughs> okay. I just friended you there. So <clears throat> Casey, Perfect. don't know. And did I spell this right? Mama yeah. Fishman with uh, two M's? No, just one M. Okay. Okay. Mama Fishman. Yeah. Unschooling your kids. How do I do with that one? <laughs> Unschooling our kids. Yeah, that's perfect. It's so all one, one word. word. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me do that at Mama Fishman. Yeah. Um, our common contact, the one who recommend you, re That's recommended you. recommended you. A hold of me. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was saying like, I don't know what, what it is. Like, why are all the women coming forward and uh, this kind of thing? And I, and I just did hashtag mama bears. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Cause it's like, Oh, you're coming for the children. Are you ever going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to eat you instead. This, yeah. This, yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's, there's definitely been an attack on our men for decades as well. When you start getting into that with the self-sabotage coaching that I'm uh, learning about, it's, it's unbelievable. The men, you know, I mean, their divine purpose is to come and protect the women and the children and the most vulnerable. And there's been men from the start and there's some great men, but you know, if we had to have a rally with 5,000 men at the end of parliament instead of women and grandmas, we would have gotten a way different reaction. Like our men need to wake up and they need to rise and they need to be full steam ahead. And we as women need to give the men the power to do that and quit disempowering our men. And that's another program, right? That's another that's program another that we've got. <laughs> yeah. And that's another podcast. Maybe we could focus yeah. on that the next time because I'm all over that. I'd mm -hmm. I, I know you probably don't have much time to read, but I would love to send you a copy of my book. And uh, in no, the writing of that. the 
in the writing of the book, it's the eight archetypes of the hero's journey. And I saw how differently men and women go through it. My, my uh, father passed away in 2015. It awakened me to the ills of how we treated and, and saw men in you know, my growing up days. Anyway, probably have to call it, call it a wrap for, for this moment, just for the timing of everything that's happening today. But yeah. uh, I love you, Tasha. I hope you don't mind me oh, saying it just, uh, no. yeah. Kindred yeah. spirits, kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. This is what I love about this work is just meeting like your soul tribe. Exactly. We're finding each other. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. no accident. And thank you to everyone in the chat who's been chiming in with all your great comments. I know there's been a lot of appreciation for Tasha. Do visit her website, TashaFishman.com. Take her up on, uh, go, I'd like to learn more about your coaching so I can share it with other people too, because I think this is just the, the hottest topic ever right now. Yeah. 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 No problem. Okay, everyone have a beautiful rest of your day and we shall see you soon. Thank you. Thanks right. for having me. Okay. My pleasure. Bye for bye now. Bye.